Father God, I want to thank you for being such an amazing God. I want to ask that you be with us right now. Be with me. May you be the, may you be the one speaking, Lord. Anoint my lips that, that it be you and, and not I. And, and prepare our hearts and our minds to be receptive to your message. This is my prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I do have to start this with a disclaimer. Um, this is not a real story. The pastor from AA, from Alcoholics Anonymous, is Pastor Joel Roberts, not Pastor Joey. Okay? I, I preached this uh, uh, at my old church in St. Pete some years ago, and our treasurer's name was Fred Beeson, and the gentleman of the story was Fred Bison. And so people were like, oh, he's talking about the treasure. No, no. So I changed the names a little bit, but I preached this at Crawfordville last Sabbath. And when I mentioned a balding head deacon, my balding head deacon down there thought I was talking about him. And then I had another member of the church that offered me to join me in a local AA meeting down in Crawfordville. So I want you to understand this is a story, only a story. It was made up by Adventist writer Kim Johnson. And he wrote this story, and I'm simply sharing it because I believe it's a very valid illustration for our lives. Is that all right? Can we do that? So regardless of the similarities between the name of pastors or bolding elders or deacons, it's not you. Just want to make that clear. Uh, alcohol is not one of my issues. I got tons, but alcohol is not one of them. So no need to invite me to an AA meeting. With that being said, uh, Pastor Joe Roberts, he moved to a new district of First Church. Yes, I know this is First Church too, but it's not it. He went to, he went to, he moved to a new district in First Church. And when he got to that district, he was excited to find the local YMCA Alcoholic Anonymous meetings. At the local YMCA, there were 8 o'clock on Tuesday night, and he was happy to go there. He shows up a little bit nervous, but I don't know if you've ever been to AA or seen movies about it and, and heard how it goes, but they make everyone introduce themselves. So he gets up and he says, hey, I'm Joe. Uh, 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 I'm an alcoholic. I've been eight and a half years sober now. And then he goes to ad, and I work from home designing websites. He wanted to make sure that he put that disclaimer there and say that he worked from home designing websites. And so as the people went on introducing themselves, the pa Pastor Joe Roberts, he, he, was, uh, he felt a bit uncomfortable because he really hates having to lie in these meetings, but, but he wants to protect himself. He doesn't want to just come out and say, I'm a pastor. You see, he had kept hidden from his previous congregation that alcohol was a problem in his life. And so he wanted to make sure that he does the same now. And in hopes to do that, he did this. And although he always feel guilty and it's like, ah, every time those words come out of my mouth, I, I'm, I work from home, I design websites. He feels a clenching because he's telling a lie. And he's a pastor after all. But when he heard, the chairman from the AA meetings remind everybody that the, the purpose and the success of AA is to uh, is our own individual well-being, and that's only accomplished through the unity of AA. When he heard that, yes, this is for my well-being. This is important. You see, what happens is that for a while back, 
his alcoholism was so bad, you know, dealing with the ecclesiastical duties, all of the meetings and all of the different things and the stresses and the burdens got to him that, that he fell back to his old ways before he was saved. And he got to a point that his wife was constantly threatening. Luckily, she never followed up on those threats and she didn't give up on him, but he was doing miserably. And so, you know, who can he turn to? Who can he pour out his heart to? Certainly not his church members. And so he tried some counselors, but he kept relapsing. And what ended up happening one day, he's sitting there in an evening watching a documentary, you know, something in the television that talked about AA. And so he found his way to an AA meeting locally at his old church district. And when he found his way there, um, he was first shy, said very little. Hi, I'm Joe. I'm an alcoholic and just sort of sat down and didn't share anything else, talked very little. But then something happened. As he saw every individual there, completely without a filter, without a mask, just pour out their heart, what they were going through, their struggles, their challenges, being completely vulnerable. And everybody around do nothing but be accepting of them without criticism, without pointing fingers, without any whispers behind his back. And just fully accept, embrace, encourage. He realized that, wow. This is a great place to be in. And that group, prayer and Bible study, helped him become an outstanding citizen as well as an outstanding minister. He was able to cope and he managed to do that for years. And so now he had moved to a brand new district and he was so happy to be able to find this meeting. He attended regularly. He had been there now for months. He even let out at times. Now, Pastor Joe Roberts finds himself now going to his 10th board meeting. After being there for, you know, about 10 months or so, he gets to his board meeting and he was a little bit nervous because item number five on the agenda was like really, really scary. He knew that this was going to be something serious. What happens is that a young couple had been living together for about six months, not married, and they wanted to rent the church. And he knew how sometimes that, that could make people on the board just on edge. So the topic comes up for discussion and the little sister, you know, little sister with a high pitched voice, she made it clear, pastor, I care for this young people as much as the next person. Lord knows I have tried to take care for, 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 for young people, but I don't think that we could rent this church to them because you see, they are living in sin. And what are other people going to think if we allow them to rent our facilities to get married? It's like we're applauding what they're doing. That's not the kind of example we need to be doing. And so then Mr. Fred Bison, the balding head deacon, he goes right ahead and he says, Pastor, I also heard that, that the husband-to-be works for, one, for, for a store that actually sells alcohol. And you know how evil and horrible alcohol is. We need better examples of young Christian people morally correct in our churches. We can't condone this behavior. Pathfinder leader, adventurer leader, AY leader, and one, 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 um, one elder, they spoke on behalf and said, Hey, how are we going to make our young people feel welcome if every step of the way we are trying to give them the boot, treat them horribly and doing these things? Well, how can we do that? And so when the pastor was asked what was his vote, he says, you know, I haven't gained enough po political gain here. I'm going to abstain 
from voting. And so the motion to let this young couple use the church to get married was turned down. Four votes for, eight against, and the pastor abstaining. And so anyhow, about three weeks later after this board meeting, the pastor was going to be out of town. Uh, so he had to be uh, miss the AA meeting. He called his sponsor, you know, who happens to be the chairman. And he said to him, hey, listen, you know, um, I'm not going to be here, but it's not because I'm doing anything wrong or whatever. It's that I actually have a meeting, so I'm going to be out of town, but I'll be back the following week. So they have the AA meeting without him. And there's an item that the chairman brings to the agenda. The YMCA has increased the rent again. This is the third time in two years. This is the third time in two years. We are stretched thin as it is. We cannot afford to do this. So we're going to need to find a place immediately. So as they throw some ideas in there, there was a guy by the name of Ted there that says, Hey, you know, first church. I, I went there for a wedding once. And, and, and it's a wonderful facility. I know they got plenty of room that perhaps we could rent one of those small classrooms and have our meetings there. So they decided at the AA meeting to have Ted in charge of contacting First Church to do this. So what happens is that now, you know, uh, the, the pastor comes back and uh, when he gets back, he's getting ready for board meeting, etc. And there's one item that has to be added to the agenda, but it was too late to be added to the agenda or in time. Ted calls, spoke with the clerk, and he says, hey, we need a room. And so when we get to the agenda, the pastor's surprised to see that item there. He's a little bit nervous, but, you know, it just says AA request. Just let it be. And the clerk says, you know, um, we got a call yesterday that they're in need of a facility. They can pay this much. They're asking if we will honor that for them. And, you know, we're struggling with our finances as it is, with our budget as it is. By the way, business meeting tonight to talk about our budget here in Tallahassee first. Uh, 845, but come at 7. Anyhow, uh, so, you know, so she goes, sorry for the digression. So, you know, it's in the meeting and it's saying, you know, we, we, we had... Um, our, our, our budget and we could barely even pay the light bill last month we could certainly use the income so the pastor is all nervous and he says well you know I think that what if you know we have a lot going on in this church so what if we have like an event on that night and we need to use our facilities what then what are we going to do then or what if they have way too many cars and we don't even have parking space I mean, what are we going to do? He knew as that was coming out of his mouth, that was just a very vague excuse or whatever. And somehow, miraculously, financial hardship trumped his concern about parking or classroom space. They just put a disclosure in the contract. If we ever have an event on a Tuesday night at 8 p.m., then we'll ask you to please skip the meeting that week or something like that. But they just came up with the disclosure, so it was voted and it was approved. That was the last time that the pastor, Pastor Roberts, attended AA meetings. Because his fear was, if I now start going to my church, one of the members may see me going to the meetings, and then the rumors and things are going to start. And at first, he was really relieved that, you know what, one less meeting, because, you know, we got a lot of meetings. You know, this past Tuesday, we were here for like a five-hour board meeting. Thank you, guys. I love you so much for sticking around that long. Seriously, awesome. Anyhow, but the point is, you know, it's like meetings and meeting. One less meeting for a pastor is a gift. It's like, yes. And so um, he, he, he was happy at first, but then he noticed that he was a little bit more short Getting angry at huh? when I when I first before when he was in AA, he would come home, he would play with his kids, have all of that. The other day, his son had straight A's but one C. He snapped at his son. 
What, you want to you, you uh, get left back? What, are you stupid? What is wrong with you? What are you doing? What is wrong, you know, and, and all of these things. Do you want your, kid, your, your friends to keep graduating and go ahead of you and you want to remain back? What is wrong with you? And so mom grabs the kid. It's okay. Come on, son. He didn't mean it, but he was on edge. Suddenly, the board meetings, as he's sitting there normally just complacent and happy, it became more of a dictatorial approach. You and you and off with their heads and off with their And suddenly, the sermons and messages, the humor that he used as he was preaching, and, and you could see the happiness in him became more serious, more, more, more confined to just sort of behind the, the, the podium here and, and the messages, even though he used various mess, various Bible scriptures, the theme seems to be always the same. We're all sinners and we need to accept each other. We're all sinners and we need to accept each other. And, and so as a result, for many people, they were thinking, this is just monotonous repetition. There were some struggles. Rumors began to happen. And the bolding head deacon, Mr. Fred Bison, he says, I am going to get to the bottom of this. And so he did some investigating, you know, for the benefit of the pastor, of course. He wanted to make sure that, you know, that if there was any issues, it was out on the open. And so he did his research, did his homework. After not being able to find anything concrete in his church, he says, ah, I actually know someone in his old congregation. So he calls someone from the old church and, and he says, hey, what's wrong with the pastor? Something's this up. He was like, well, I did hear. It seems like some people have seen him walk into bars before. And, and sometimes even I could smell alcohol in his breath. There were serious concerns that he had an issue with alcohol. But he transferred before we could ever do anything about it. So that's probably what you're facing now. So Mr. Fred Bison, you know, he decided to go right ahead and call different key people on the board. And he said to them, listen, I care for the pastor and I want to make sure that we look out, out for him. But if there's something wrong, we need to, to air, clear the air and bring this out to the open and address it. So after he rallied the troops, he went right ahead and they scheduled a business meeting. By the way, tomorrow, tonight at 8.45, we have a business meeting. Uh, but he scheduled a business meeting two weeks from that Wednesday to, you know, to, to, to go ahead and discuss the pastor and the pastor's problems because people were starting to question and the rumors had begun. And so he wrote a letter that says, hey, pastor, you know, we are concerned about you. This is for your own well-being. And we as a church would like to address you. We want to invite you to come to finally be able to clear the air. Now, that's what it said on the letter. But then he whispered a lot and tried to rise up commotion and get people talking about his drinking habits. And so, you know, uh, from there, um, the, uh, you know, pastor was all distraught and his wife were all a hot mess and everything else. And so the Tuesday before the Wednesday night business meeting, the AA meeting was taking place. But this particular night, a lot more people showed up than usual. So Ted, who had established the deal with the church, who had gotten the keys and everything else, he says, I'll go get some chairs. And so he went around and he wandered into the pastor study. And uh, in there, he saw some folding chairs with the nice cushion and that stuff. He ran down to grab a couple of them. And then he looked up and he saw a photo, a family photo on the desk. And he kind of looked back again and says, he was confused at first. I know that guy. That's the web designer, Joe. And then he realized, ah. 
It is, this is not the first time someone lies about who they are in, in AA meetings. You know, they want to stay private. And he immediately understood what happened. Why was it that he stopped coming the minute they moved to First Church? He realized now why was it that phone call after phone call went unanswered. Messages after messages were not returned. And he clicked for him. So after the meeting, you know... Um, after the meeting, let me backtrack a second. Before the meeting, while well, he saw that, he noticed the letter uh, the, of the business meeting that he had been invited to give it to the pastor left on his desk. And reluctantly, he saw it. He looked at it. He knew about the business meeting and everything that it was going to be. So after the business meeting, he gathered a couple of people that were close to, to Mr. Fred, uh, to, um, to, to Pastor Joe Roberts. And he says, guys, what are we going to do? And somebody else says, I don't know, but immediately we need to try to find another place for his sake. I believe, said the chairman, that Pastor Joe Roberts is really afraid for his job. And that is such a shame because of the place that he works in. That shouldn't be a concern. And yet it is. So they, they, they discussed that and they decided that they're going to try to find a place to, 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 to move to. And then the chairman called Pastor Joel Roberts. And this time he finally answered after months of not returning any of the phone calls. And so he had the conversation. Hey, we know about the business meeting. We know about what is happening. What is going on? And, and so he says, well, this is what's happening. My wife and I are really scared. I promise you, Mr. Chairman, no alcohol has touched my lips. I have been sober not once in over eight and a half years. Have I touched a drink? I really do promise you that. And he says, no, no, I know I understand. And, and listen, I'm not unfamiliar to, to wild witch hunts and things like that. Who is the ringleader? He said, look, I don't like to call people by names, but, you know, it seems to be uh, my head deacon, Mr. Fred Benton. And, and so he says, Fred Benton, Fred Lawrence, uh, I'm sorry, ben Bison, Fred Lawrence Bison. And he says, yes, he's probably like in his late 60s, early 70s now. Yeah, that you know him? He was like, don't worry about it. Listen, go to the business meeting and us from AA will be there to support you. And I may even have a surprise for Mr. Fred uh, Lawrence Bison. And so Wednesday night comes, the very next day, here's the meeting. And out in the lobby, you know, there, there, there's uh, Fred. He's so excited because so many people showed up. It's not like the business meeting, but, you know, that we're going to have tonight where only 10 people show up. You know what I mean? This was the whole church was there. It was like 80 persons that showed up because it was ooh, gossip about the pastor, you know. And, and, and so, so, so Fred was like, you know, I think today's going to be the pastor's last day. I know it. And so suddenly the chairman walks in. And, and he walks in and he's like, Fred, Fred Bison, how you doing, man? And he greets him skeptically. It's me. Remember, we used to carpool together to AA meetings 20 years ago back in Ohio. Do you remember me? I used to love, you know, th those carpools with you. By the way, how is your wife? Did she ever leave you? Did she go through with the decision to divorce you after you violated the restraining order? You know, how, how how is that, by the way? He's like, yeah, she sort of left. What about, you know, I know your, your license to practice law was revoked because of alcohol. Uh, did you ever, were you ever able to get that restored? And, and you know, I mean, then again, uh, you know, it, it's, I do recognize that the past is the, is the past, but you did really have us worry, you know, that, that day. I mean, when you were there, we really worried so much about you. And again, the past is the past, but, uh, anyhow, it's really good to see you. We should do lunch. Uh, the meeting is about to start. We'll, we'll go ahead and meet. And so he threw all of those jabs in there to remind them of who he was and who he used to be. When I read this story some years ago, it reminded me of, um, um, Dr. Uh, Phil who says, there's something about you I hate about myself. 
You know, and, and so it seems like he also had a history with alcohol. So anyhow, after the shock of running into a blast from the past that reminded him of alcohol issues, restraining orders, divorce, and all of these things, and losing his license to practice law, he was supposed to head the meeting, and he says to the assistant deacon, can you take over? I'm not feeling so well. So he faint illness. He sat in the back. He's clenching a, a speech that he had written and rehearsed before a mirror that read something along the lines of, I have a lot of compassion for the pastor, but he needs help. And I think that we should free him of his responsibilities so that he could take the time to address those issues in his life. I love love for our pastor. This is the direction I think we should go. And so the speech was all pretty and it was all there, you know, for that. But he was holding on to that. He looked at it. He held it again. And so the assistant deacon that was thrown in his lap and he began the meeting. He says, guys, I know it's not kind of good news to be here, but this is a concern. And people got up talking against alcohol and some science teacher from, from the church gave up and gave facts about how evil it is and how hard it is to overcome. And then from there, as people went on, somebody else says, you know what, I haven't seen this in the pastor. I vote for confidence in the pastor, etc." And then people were looking at Fred and Fred looked at his former AA buddy, who's now the chairman of AA, and he looked at the paper, crumbled it up, put it in his pocket and refrained and abstained from commenting in the business session. And so then the pastor, Joe, stands up, you know, and, and he goes there and says, thank you all for coming. I'm really sorry that you have to be away from your families tonight. I can assure you that, yes, once upon a time I had issues with alcohol. But it's been over eight years since alcohol has been an issue. At a point in my life, I was really low, about to lose my marriage, about to lose my job. But I found a wonderful organization known as Alcoholics Anonymous that helped me remain sober even until this day. And so I, I promise you that that's not an issue for me. And I only hope that my church can be as accepting as my group of Alcoholics Anonymous, especially with the example that we have in Christ Jesus. And so a clap went in the corner by the folks from AA. Somebody got up and says, listen, I want to, I heard enough. This is enough of this. I asked for a vote of confidence on our pastor. There is no absolutely evidence that, that he has done anything. And we believe in him and we trust him. So if it is your desire to give a positive vote of confidence, please stand with me. Out of 80 persons, 75 stood up. Fred Bison and four others next to him remain sitting. And so... That was the conclusion of that particular meeting. And so I asked you a question. If you were in Pastor Robert's shoes, would you have attended AA meeting at First Church when they were first moved from the YMCA or not? Number two, will Pastor Robert have felt different about attending AA meetings at his own church if he were a pastor of this congregation right here? Do you think he would have felt different about you? Number three, why are people so much more willing to be transparent at AA meetings than at, a, at our church? Think about that. And lastly, number four, what one thing could our church right here do to help people feel com more comfortable being open about their needs? 
And so I want to take that to you as individuals, not as a church as a whole. I love how people say to me, Pastor, we need to do something in our church. We need to do whatever. We need help in this area. We need help in the other area. We need to do something here, etc. Great. Would you like to help? No, not me. You guys need to do something. You know, suddenly they jump to that. And, 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 and it's sort of that thing. So when it comes to being kinder to others, more welcoming, more accepting, it begins with you. What can you do differently? See, the problem in our churches is that, you know, God, he hates sin, but loves the sinner. We love the sin and hate the sinner. And that's a big issue for me. Let's go ahead and look at our scriptures this morning. John chapter 8, beginning on verse 3. John 8, beginning on verse 3. When you have it, say amen. And as you're working your way there, we're going to look at a story here. Just a very brief story that is very, that is very important because it really, it really helps us understand what the gospel message is all about. John chapter 8, verse 3. When you have it, say amen. John 8, verse 3. It says, Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in their midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Verse 5 of John 8. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But, but what do you say? Verse 6. They, this they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger and thought, and as though he did not hear. Verse 7, so when they continue asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw, throw the first stone at her. Verse 8, and again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. Verse 10, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Verse 11, she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You've heard this story. You, you probably have heard it plenty of times. Let me tell you a couple of things. Number one, notice that Jesus kneeled down and wrote something on the ground. He did that twice. Some people believe that he wrote down their sins. Some people say that he maybe he wrote down the commandments. That way you can compare yourself to the law. What, regardless of what you believe they wrote down, whether or not you read the spirit of prophecy or you have your own ideas, he wrote down something, whatever it was, but then he made that statement. He who has not sinned, may they cast the first stone. Also notice something else, which is not the point of this message, but notice that the elders were the ones to leave first. It was culturally correct at that time to see what the elders would do and follow their lead. You folks here in the church who are older, you need to lead by example. There's an old Spanish saying about predicar la moral en calzoncillo, preaching about morals in your underwear. You know, there, there's that saying in Spanish, you can't be doing that. You can't be the first one to call me a child of the devil when I've seen you all of the time. So understand, Mr. Fred Bison, stop messing with me about my alcohol issues. You yourself been there, done that. So understand that the elders, you show the example. But also notice something. We often get confused as Christians that 
In order to not look like we are condoning a behavior, we have to come out with torches and pitchforks to demonstrate that we're not condoning it. There's a clear-cut distinction between condoning and condemning. Notice what Jesus says. Where are those that condemn you? Neither do I. But go and don't do it again. He didn't say, neither do I. Now keep on doing it. Yay! It's not what he did. Go and don't do it again. Go to James 5. James 5. James 5 verse 16. James 5 verse 16. Now, as you're getting there, this is a text, which by the way, today we're going to, for the elders, remember, we have an anointing service after church. Um, but James 5, this is a text that you read when it comes to anointing and anointing for healing. And there seems to be something in there that we often neglect. Look at James 5 verse 16. And I think if we got this down pat, it might be one of the reasons why we don't often see healing even after anointing takes place. Look what it says as one of the, 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 the requirements, if you will, when explaining anointing. It says what? James 5.16. What's the first word? Confess your trespasses in secret, privately, just to God. What does it say there? Confess your trespasses to one another. And what? Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Go to last text for today, Proverbs 24, 16. And as you're waking, making your way there, I want to explain a little bit of James. Confess your trespasses to one another. Let me tell you this. This is so crucial. I don't know if you ever experienced addiction. I personally have never experienced addiction. But growing up in Camden, New Jersey, people were addicted to all kinds of things. I have seen people going through withdrawals. Uh, uh, when it comes to cigarettes and stuff, they get shaky and jittery. They try to do the patch. I've seen people so bad into alcohol that if they stop drinking, they will die. They become so dependent that if they stop they will die. I think the same thing happened with other hard, heavy-duty drugs as well, where they have to go to a medical facility for detox, where they wing you down little by little because to do a cold turkey is also a death sentence. I don't know if you've seen it. I see people addicted to pornography, and nowadays females have a higher number of pornography addictions than men do. And I know guys are filthy and pervs and stuff, but, but ladies, you are taking the lead too. It is a genuine struggle. Now picture the following. Let's pretend that I'm struggling with a particular addiction. I'm hiding it. I'm hiding it. I'm keeping it in secret. I can't tell or, or rely on the people in my, in my church to come to clear and ask them for help. And look, I, I backslid and I did it again. And suddenly I can't hold it anymore. I need it so much that I'm stealing and I'm doing all kinds of things. And you see the mark. Now I'm to such a point that how is it? Is it to help me it's not that easy is it I'm already too far in but imagine if I came to you the first time that I tried a drug or try alcohol or try you know something on a website somewhere imagine if I came guys please pray for me I had a moment of weakness I had a struggle I had a body of support of people that would not judge me criticize me or anything like that but would encourage me and uplift me to move forward could you picture what that would look like it's almost like AA except with Jesus how nice it would be for us to actually embrace this Christian acceptance. Not accepting what they do necessarily, but not condemning them either. Not condoning it, but not beating them up either. 
Imagine how beautiful that is. So confess your trespasses for one another and pray for each other. And then it says, for the prayer of a righteous man does what? Avails much. Now what in the world is a righteous man? If I just finished telling you all my dirt and we're praying for one another and uplifting one another. Proverbs 24, 16, last verse for today. It says, for a righteous man falls seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. Do you see what makes a righteous man? How many times does a righteous man fall? In Spanish, there's a saying, del piso no pasa. If I fall down to the floor, can I go any further than the floor? So how in the world do I fall again? What needs to happen in between falls? You're getting up. That is the difference between a righteous man and a wicked man. Not the fact that you fall. We all fall short of the glory of God. But the fact that you rise up again. To be wicked is to remain falling. To say, well, I'm going to do it again next week. I might as well just stay here basking in it. No, no, no. The idea is to continue to rise up. Continue to get up. That is what makes a righteous man. And the prayer of a righteous man does what? Avails much. And so I want to encourage you. If you pay attention to nothing today. I want to encourage you as a church to consider this concept of being able to really confide in one another and encourage one another. Boy, do I really yearn to be able to belong to a church family in which if I am going through a particular struggle, that I can be open about it with you and not fear for a job or a position, but be able to be uplifted and encouraged to be able to move forward and leave that sin behind me. How nice would that be? We have our, our Sabbath school class for the, the youth and colleges in, in the, in the fellowship hall. And, you know, even this morning, some of the folks opened up. It's nice to see that. And I would love to see that more than just in one Sabbath school class, but a church as a whole. Not a place of gossip and finger pointing, but a place of acceptance, love, and encouragement to move forward and to turn, turn, turn from those evil ways, but press on and press on. That is my prayer for my church, for my family here in Tallahassee. And I pray that all of you will be willing to join in all of that. Understand what it entails. Understand the love of Christ. And let us live accordingly. Let us go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father God, I want to thank you for being such an amazing God. And I pray for my church family here. Lord, in a moment, I'm going to give some brief instructions about going to do communion for those who are remaining back to join us. What a great opportunity to have a fresh start. What a great opportunity for a do-over. What a great opportunity to bring before you our dirty laundry, to bring before you our struggles and, and, and renew our vows with you and our commitment with you through the bread that symbolizes your body letting you into our lives and to the wine that symbolizes your blood, the all-cleansing power of your blood. Father God, I pray for this church that we're able to be just like AA, but with you in our midst, a church of love and acceptance and encouragement to grow and leave behind the wicked ways. May you bless us and keep us now, Father God, as we go to the best part of this Sabbath morning, which is the ordinance of humility. I ask these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let everyone here say, Amen.